healer today. He's everything that you need. Hallelujah. We believe you, God. We believe you, God. Oh, we bless you today. We praise you today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Slap your neighbor a high five. Tell him, I really believe God's all you need. All you need. All you need. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. God's awesome, isn't he? Hallelujah. Praise God. Today, we're going to continue talking about the multi-generational blessing. I want to talk about today specifically the generational transfer generational transfer. How many know if you miss the transfer, you miss the blessing? Amen. And uh, generations have to be lined up so they can receive the blessing handed down from generation to generation. And uh, so today I want to share a little bit on that and just uh, believe God for our hearts to be challenged. And, And as you know, we have been talking sometime about this generational blessing. Each generation needs each other. There's a generation that is fading. There is a generation that is living. And there is a generation that is coming. And each of us have to connect to each other to be able to continue the perpetual flow and the move of God that he has intended and designed for the earth to experience. Amen. And so that's the reason why it's important for us to grab hold of this revelation and understanding of the generational blessing. Uh, Turn with me in Deuteronomy chapter number one. I want to read a few scriptures there. Deuteronomy one and we'll read verse six and seven and we'll read 10 and 11 and verse 38. Praise God. Well, it feels good in here today, doesn't it? Amen. Amen. God's presence is with us today. Praise God. Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 6. The Lord our God spoke to us in Horeb, saying, You have dwelt long enough at this mountain. Turn and take your journey and go to the mountains of the Amorites, to all the neighboring places in the plain in the mountains and in the lowland and in the south and on the seacoast to the land of the Canaanites and to Libyan, Lebion, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. Verse 10, the Lord your God has multiplied you and there are here you are today as the stars of the heaven in, mul- in multitude. May the Lord God of your fathers. Amen. May the Lord God of your fathers. Not just your God. But may the Lord God of your fathers. Make you a thousand times more numerous. Than you are. That's a message right there. May the Lord bless you a thousand times. Amen. A thousand times more. How many can handle a thousand times more blessing over your life? Amen. Your fathers have been blessed, but he said, may the Lord bless you a thousand times more and bless you as he has promised you. And then verse 38, I want you to, uh, you know, mark this, check this out. Verse 38, Joshua, the son of Nun, who stands before you, he shall go in there. So encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. He shall cause Israel to inherit it. Now let's look at some scriptures here in Exodus, and then we'll begin our message this morning. Exodus 17 and verse 8. Now Amalek came and found, fought with Israel at Riffendim. And Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men, go out, fight with uh, the Amalekite. Tomorrow I will stand on the top 
of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side, one on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And then the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Moses or Joshua that will and I that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name the Lord is my banner. For he said, because the Lord has sworn The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Amen. Moses, you're going to have to fight him, but the generation to come is going to have to fight him. How many understand there are some spirits in the world that you don't just deal with, but another generation has to deal with as well? He said, I'm going to blot out. Uh, Amalek, but he said, I want you to jot this down, rehearse it, so that Joshua remembers how we won this battle. Amen. Father, thank you for your word today. I pray, God, that we have ears to hear, a heart to receive, and a will to draw near to you. Make our time in your word today most effective. Let us stay focused upon you today and give you the praise for the results in our life. In Jesus' name. And amen, amen. Give the Lord a good hand for his word today. Amen. Praise God. We must have fathers who know how to bless their children. Proverbs 13 and 2 said, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Every generation leaves something for the next generation. Uh, And it's up to how we do a thing and how we live depends on what we leave. Some will leave a place of lack that the next generation has to dig out of before they can stand firm. And there are others that will leave a blessing where they can start their race at not where they even began and not in the basement, but they set a foundation in which they are able to run when they start this journey. In Proverbs, Solomon said it, a wise man, an intelligent person leaves an inheritance, not for just one generation, but for his grandchildren. Thought I'd get a better amen than that right there. He isn't just talking about money, but he is talking about something that will sustain them in times of trouble. I mean, no, when times of trouble come, money can run out. But if you'll teach them how to pray, if you'll teach them how to talk with God, if you'll teach them how to have a relationship and know the God of their fathers, you are leaving them a rich heritage that they can pass on from generation to generation. And that's the reason we need to make sure that we have more than what we need. Amen. Because we what we cannot give to the next generation what we have already used up. And so you ought to have more God than you really need. You ought to have more than just a, a little substance to sustain you until you step off of the scene. But you need to have something to pass on to the next generation. And the Bible gives us one principle that we can be sure to bless another generation with, and that is to be people that are tithers. Amen. I'll amen myself. Malachi 3 and 10 tells us to bring our tithe and our offerings into the storehouse of God. Amen. The storehouse is not TBN. 
Amen. The storehouse is where you get fed. It's the house of God. Amen. And uh, so he says, bring your tithe and offerings into the storehouse of God where there can be meat, where there can be food in my house. And he says, try me here now with and see if I uh, don't open up the windows of heaven and pour you out blessings that there's not room enough for you to receive it. Now, how many know that God uh, is faithful to open up the windows of heaven? If we are faithful, God is faithful. Now, what comes out of windows? Mercedes don't come out of windows. Houses don't come out of windows. Windows is something to look through. Amen. And to be able to get revelation from. And God says, I'll give you revelation. I'll open up the windows and give you revelation that other people don't ever get. Amen. But then he says, I'll bless you in such a way that you'll not have room enough to receive it. Now, can we all agree here today that God's not a wasteful God? And so if he's going to give us more than we have room enough to receive it, who's that going to be a blessing for? It's going to be a blessing for our sons and our daughters and our grandchildren. Amen. They are going to reap the blessings of that overflow in our lives because we have been faithful in our time, our talent, and our treasures. They are going to be blessed by that. There's not room enough for us to receive it for the next generations are going to receive those blessings in our life. Amen. And the Bible says, if I do that, he calls me a wise man. In our text this morning, Joshua is on his way to take the place uh, in the flow of God. Joshua represents the generation that is coming into their place. They're getting ready to lead. In the world, the church and the church, we have generations that are coming to age. Everywhere that you, if it is in the church setting or in the world setting, there is a generation that is set, the next generation that is set, and we have to determine if they're going to succeed or they fail has been left up to us. And Moses understands that he has to set Joshua up in a way that he is able to be successful. Amen. He, tell, he talks to this next generation and says, I want you to be blessed. And when they come to Riphidim and they begin to uh, war uh, with Amalek, God, they go to war there. And when they do, uh, Moses chooses Joshua. And Moses didn't tell Joshua, Joshua, you're going to be the next leader, so I need you to do some things. Joshua was not put on notice that he was next in line because, you see, they, he had to understand to, to follow direction and follow leadership with not something in mind of, uh, of a promotion or some results of his own. Because if you only are faithful because of promise of promotion, then you're just ambitious and you're not faithful. Amen. He tells Joshua, I want you to choose some men because I want to see if you have the ability to read people or not. Uh, I need to know this, and, and you're, you're not choosing just for yourself, but you're choosing for all of us, Joshua. And I need to see what kind of people that you, you choose to put around you. I need to know if you have the ability to choose leaders. I need to know if you have the ability to be able to pick and to choose those that are going to cause you to go forward and not backward. I mean, no, some people have the ability just to choose folk that are always pulling you back. But you, if you're going to be in leadership, Joshua, then you've got to be able to choose people then put around you. What kind of people will you surround yourself with? And Joshua is doing uh, this, he is, but uh, the choosing is not just for him, but it is for everybody. He said, choose us men. Amen. That you will go to war with Amalek. And I'm going to go to the top of this mountain. And I am going to go with the rod of God. Rod of God represents the authority of God, right? It represents the authoritative hand of God. And I'm going to go and I'm going to hold my hands up. Moses goes up to the top of this mountain. He holds his hands up. And as long as his hands are up, we know the story Israel is winning. 
But when the hands come down, Israel starts losing the battle. Now notice this with me, that the battle does not turn on Joshua's strength. The battle does not turn on Joshua's ability. The, 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 it turns when we realize that Moses, the spiritual father, is in his place of authority. Amen. Everything shifts and everything turns, not because Joshua has the strength, not because he has the ability, but because Moses is in his place of authority on the top of the mountain, everything shifts. So they get to the top of the mountain and the Bible said they seat him on a rock. How many know that rock is still Christ? Amen. And he is established on this rock. He is seated firmly upon this rock. I say today that we must train a generation to stay on the rock. Amen. We must be seated firmly on the rock of Jesus Christ because the generation that is coming up behind us has lost the power and the understanding of the scripture. They have lost their way in understanding kingdom authority. They don't. Uh, and whenever you want to take a people out, you've got to undermine what their lives have been built upon. And so, so when we, when you call the Bible today and say the Bible says, there is a group of people that'll say that book is just outdated. Others will say, well, you know, that's just culturally irrelevant. Amen. But when you set out to destroy a generation, you have to undermine the authority that that generation has built, been built upon. So if you want to do, you want to destroy the family, you've got to take out what the family is defined with. If you want to take out what somebody believes about finances and your, your finances are built upon scripture, then you've got to take that out. If you want to destroy a, a relationship, then you've got to take out what relationships are built on. What is your structure? What do you define money by? What do you define a family by? What do you define relationships by? And when you come to the end of what defines that, if you want to destroy them, you've got to take that out. If I want to destroy you, the first thing that I do is I begin to try to get you off of the rock. Get you off of the scripture. Cause you to believe that, that, that maybe you don't have to do all of that. And do you really believe the word of God is still relevant for today? Do you believe that God is really going to do that? You've got to get them off of the rock. And we have many preachers today, spiritual fathers, who have moved off of the rock. Amen. They preach a feel-good gospel. Amen. You happy, I'm happy, we'll all be happy, right? They preach something that is a me first gospel. Amen. Just, just, you know, it's just about me. But if we are going to set the next generation up for success, then we've got to have some real men. We've got to have some spiritual fathers. We've got to have some leaders that will not get off of the rock no matter what comes, no matter what goes. They say we're going to stand upon this rock. Amen. Because we're living in a generation today that, that are gender benders. They're trying to make girls out of our young boys. Amen? They're trying to make boys out of our girls. Amen? And we're living in that day. And you see, they're trying to make weak men and strong women. And this generation, a lot of women run their house. I know it's going to get quiet, but I ain't scared. Amen. Women run in their house. It's not right. The only woman you find running their house in the Bible is Jezebel. Now, who wants to get in line behind that? Amen. It's tight, but it's right. Amen. 
It don't mean that we go and we're bullies and we do, you know, dictators, but it is, we've got to line up. And so we have seen this generation, this gender benders that have come and everything is out of line in the house. And how many know if everything's out of line in your house, it isn't going to be a line in public and it's not going to be alignment in the church. But we've got to understand today how it flows. And so we've got to understand that, that God is still the God of the family. He, he's not looking for us to switch up who we are. And, and I, I never did get it. I don't understand why that a, a pretty lady would want to be a man. I ain't never seen a pretty man. Amen. And I don't know why one would look, want to look like Hercules. Whenever I was dating, I didn't, I didn't date nobody that even looked like they could whip me. <laughs> uh, if they're that big, just leave them for hoss. Amen. Uh, the problem is when you throw the foundation away, anything becomes possible. Anything is acceptable. But the Bible is still our foundation. If you throw away the foundation, then you're open for anything. You don't have anything to build upon. Amen. There are no absolutes. There is nowhere in the scripture where you'll find two men marrying. There's nowhere in the scripture where you find that, that the women are, are marrying to each other. Because he said in the last days that you'll see them doing things that are not right. That, that they'll do things that are not natural. He was talking about that day. But I want you to know that God still has a word. He has a foundation. And that word of God is something that still stands today. And when you throw the foundation out, the next generation has no, no foundation to build upon and we will build upon they'll build upon shifting sand and when the storms come when the rains come when trouble comes their house will be blown away and they'll say what is this I want you to know we've got to stay upon the rock we've got to stay upon the word of God amen if I'm going to raise up another generation I've got to to keep myself on this rock and not come off of it for anything. We cannot allow another generation to be raised up under leadership that doesn't believe the Bible. Leaders have gone to seminaries, believers, and came out doubters. They went in believing that the Word of God was true, only to come out questioning it. They went in believing in signs and wonders and miracles, but today they, they doubt if God is still able to do a thing. Amen. You see, we have this in the church today. We, it has become so weak and become so anemic in the church and the believing that the word of God is the final answer. That we have swayed from that and we have raised up a generation that says, I believe some of it, but I don't believe it all. I think some of it might work. Even some here today might struggle with what I say. And, and you're supposed to be a Christian. You, you have a relationship. But the problem is that we do not have apostolic fathers that are standing on the rock on the top of the mountain. And people who will preach the word of God and say that we believe the word of God. And because of the vacuum, even in the Christian church, we have astrology. We have people with no ethics. Our moral values have gone down the drain. Amen. We have liars and deceivers up in the house of God. Why? Because we have moved off of the rock. But I tell you today, we've got to get back on the rock and have an apostolic anointing in the house. Have a spiritual father that will stand on top of the mountain and say, Thus saith the Lord and declare the word of the Lord over his family and over the house of God. I wish I had somebody believe it today. Hallelujah. Moses stands on the top of that or sits on the top of that rock. And when his hands got heavy, his hands came down. And when his hands came down, our Joshua's started dying in the valley. Riphidim means support. 
The word is used to describe not the candle, but the base of the candle, which supports the candle. Amen. It supports that that holds the candle in place so that the candle can give off the light. Amen. It's, it's in this place of Riphidim that they have to learn if they're going to be a candlestick ministry, that they are faithful to support the candle even when they don't understand the candle. To the natural mind, why should we worry about Moses? Hands being raised whenever it's Joshua that's in the battle. I mean, Moses is sitting up there on a rock talking about he's tired. And Joshua is in the valley in the heat of the battle. And yet, the spiritual authority, the Father, is on top of the mountain sitting on this rock. And Joshua is the one that is in the valley fighting. But Moses is up there and he's on this rock and he is tired. When Moses gets tired, they, they uh, begin to understand something. They understand, hey guys, that, that our victory is not determined by how good we're able to fight. But I've noticed that Moses up there, and as long as his hands are raised, we're winning this battle. But, but, but when his hands start falling down, we begin to lose this fight. My brother goes down. My friend goes down. We're losing this generation. And so they understood the, the, the results, the outcome of this fight is not based upon our ability to uh, fight. It's based upon the ability for us to support our leader. Amen. Our father. And so they said, we've got to go up there and we've got to support our father so we can win this thing. And Aaron and her go up there and they put him on a rock. They put him on Jesus. And they said, Moses, it's not about you. We're going to help you to win this battle. And so one would get on one side and the other would get on the other. And they would go there and they would support. They would be that candlestick. Amen. That support in Riphidim that says we're going to help you to win this battle. That's the reason why we have to have multiple generations because there comes a time when we know a thing but we don't have the strength to bring it to pass. And so we need even though we have wisdom we have direction and we have understanding we need another generation that will come behind us and say daddy I'll raise your hands. I'll hold you up. I'll support you because it's not about you. If we lose this battle today, it's not just about our generation. It's about Israel being defeated forever. And so we're going to come to your side. We're going to stand beside you. We're going to lift your hands up and we're going to do what you tell us to do. How many know they didn't have time to call a theological meeting? To determine why it was that when Moses' hands fell, <laughs> that they started losing the battle. All they knew was, if we don't hold Moses' hands up, all of us are going to die right here today. This battle is not going to end well. They didn't need to know why. They just held his hands up. There comes a time when you have to support those who are in leadership without asking why. You just understand this. We're in a faith fight. We're in the midst of the battle and we need to be that support system so we don't all go down here today. Amen. So that we believe that God. Joshua had to come to an understanding that the outcome of this battle was not based upon numbers, was not based upon his strength, but he fought this battle based upon the posture of leadership. Amen. All he knew was that whenever he looked and he understood that it was the leadership, it was the father that was going to determine if we win this thing today or not. All he has to do is keep his eyes on the leadership.
And whenever he seen Moses' arms going down, he hollered and said, it's time to back up. And whenever he seen his arms being raised, he said, it's time to go in because we can win this thing. It was about the posture of the leadership. We need some fathers who will be like Moses and get on that rock and not come off and raise your spiritual hands high and lead this next generation into a place of promise. Lead this next generation with courage. Amen. It takes courage to lead today. I said it takes courage to lead. That's the reason why most people don't do it. Well, I don't want nobody to like me. Guess what? They, somebody ain't going to like you just because they hate you. Amen. You ain't never going to please everybody. So why don't you just do what God called you to do? Amen. But you see, we've got to have some spiritual fathers. We've got to have some fathers in the house. We've got to have some fathers in the church that will raise their hands high and lead this next generation into something that previous generations have only prayed and dreamed about. You see, sometimes we're afraid because we don't want, you know, well, what if it don't work? What if it does? Be a leader. I said be a leader. Stand on that rock. Pray and seek the face of God and lead with courage. And God will honor your faithfulness. Amen. But you see, if you have a husband or a father who is courageous enough to lead your family, then you should be proud of them. You should support them. Even not just in the good times, but when they make choices and decisions that don't work out so right, you still need to lift their hands up and say, you're my husband, you're my my children's father, I'm going to support you, I'm going to honor you, I'm going to bless you, and when you do, the blessing of God will come on your house. Amen. Part of learning how to lead is learning how to get someone else's hands up. Because if you can't be faithful supporting somebody else and getting their hands up, then you can't win the battle yourself. The Bible says that Joshua disconfronted the enemy. In other words, he defeated Amalek. And this victory was a sign of Joshua and Moses had to be in the place for the generation to be successful. There was going to be a transfer here from one generation to the next generation. But in order for that to happen, I mean, understand Moses had to be in his place and Joshua had to be in his place. And as a result of Moses being faithful to lead and Joshua being faithful to support, they were in a alignment with each other so there could be a transfer of the anointing from one generation to the next generation. It was that place where generations came together, where present leaders held a posture of victory and leaders to come supported him. It was in that place that Moses built an altar and called the name of it, the Lord is my banner of victory. So the symbol of victory is that of headship in place with their hands supported. I said, the banner of victory is when headship is in place being supported. So if the headship is not being supported, then their hands are going to get heavy and they're going to move off of the rock and the enemy knows they can win the battle. But when you see headship sitting on the rock and their hands are being supported by the another generation, the enemy knows he cannot win because that is the banner of victory. Hallelujah. 
God told Moses, he said, write down these words, rehearse it in the ears of Joshua because you, he needs to remember. He said, I'm going to wipe Amalek out. Nobody's even going to know he existed, but you write this down and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. Remind him how we won this battle today. Remind him in days ahead that it was because that he supported me whenever I was on the rock. And there was a divine alignment of generations. Remind him so he doesn't come off of the rock when he comes into leadership. Remind him it's not just about him, but he must connect generations together to win the battle that is before him. And Joshua, you won't win this battle because you've, you've been so great. You won't win this battle because you are so strong. You will win this battle because you have passed the test of sonship. You passed the test of being obedient. But always remember, you didn't win this battle by yourself. You didn't win this war by yourself. Amen. But it took generations coming together. It was because the generations came together. Moses kept rehearsing this and reminding him, you're not in this by yourself. You didn't win this by yourself. You're here today. You've won this battle because generations have come together. You've supported that father. You've supported that leadership. And because of that, we have won this battle today. If we're going to have Joshua's working with Moses, then we have to know that they are faithful. Amen. I said, if there's going to be Joshua's working with Moses, you can't take a chance of them saying, well, I just don't feel like lifting your hands today. I'm tired myself today. You got to be able to trust them. And no, they've got you. Come on. Because what God is wanting to give and to transfer to this next generation is greater than money. Amen. How can they take correction? Can I correct them and they stay in the house? Can I give them instruction and they will follow it? Can they understand authority? And submit to authority even when they don't agree with it. Amen. Because God is wanting us to have people that will put their hands, are able to, to be trusted with true riches, with true leadership. And this is what Joshua turned out to be for Moses in Exodus chapter 24 and verse number 1. I don't know that I give them this scripture, but you need to write it down and look at it because it's an interesting scripture that's intrigued me. He said there in verse 1, And he said to Moses, Come up unto the Lord, and Moses alone shall come near. Verse 2, And Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but they shall not come nigh, neither shall the people go up with Moses. In verse 13, And Moses rose up, and his minister Joshua. Moses went up into the mountain of God, and he said unto the elders, tarry you here for us until we come again unto you. They are not living under grace. They are living under the law. And during that time, judgment would come, right? So judgment would fall. But yet God tells Moses, go up to the mountain alone. Don't take nobody with you. And yet when he goes to the top of the mountain, Joshua gets up and goes with him. And God doesn't kill Moses for letting him go and doesn't kill Joshua for going. And it must have been in agreement with Moses because he told the elders, we will come back. We will return. 
How is it that God would allow such a thing? I tell you what I've come to conclude. And that is Joshua's heart was so knitted with Moses's that God looked at them and counted them as one. He said, this man is just like me. He, he aligns himself with me in such a fashion, in such a way that God, when God looked at him, he said, I can't separate the two. Their hearts are knitted together. What, what, what Moses is doing, Joshua is saying, that's the way I would do it. He is in agreement. He is in alignment with Moses, praise God. And so whenever they went up the mountain, even though they went up separate, God seen them as one going up. Amen. And that's when God seems to look and says, I cannot separate them. I cannot divide them. And so then we see that they, they sent out the spies into the land and all of them come back with a negative report, except Joshua and Caleb. And the Bible said they had another spirit. Amen. They weren't there murmuring and complaining. They weren't carrying on about Moses. They weren't trying to get rid of the pastor. They weren't trying to get rid of leadership and authority. They were there and had another spirit. And while others were murmuring and complaining about what was going on, Joshua and Caleb stood up and said, look here, we believe what Moses believed. We believe that God said we can have this land. It belongs to us and we're going to take this land. Praise God. I want to tell you today that whenever we line up, there'll be a transfer from generation to generation that not even the gates of hell can stop it praise God because God wants generations blessed you see something happens to Joshua because he is being connected to Moses and because of his connection with Moses his mind he thinks different than the rest of them his spirit is different. He understands a thing that others don't understand because he has been walking with authority. He has been respecting. He has been, he has been lifting up the arms of a Moses when he is tired. You see, you've got to, you've got to be able to honor and respect your, your husband. You've got to honor and respect authority even when you see him weak. And Joshua, seeing him at his weakest, and yet understood the gift that is in that man, I need it. See, in this gap, when Joshua is about to step into leadership, this is the words that was spoken to Moses by God. He tells him, encourage Joshua, because he will lead these people to inherit the promise. Hallelujah. What I'm trying to tell you is it took multiple generations to receive what God had told them they were going to receive. He told Moses, before you step off of the scene, I want you as a father to lay your hands upon Joshua and I want you to bless him. I want you to encourage him. Tell him, son, I know you've been with me all this time and I know that you haven't had been the one to have to face the battle and the time is about to shift. But I want you to know something, Joshua. You can do it, man. I believe in you. I know that God's in you. I know his hand is upon your life. I know that you're going to take this generation into a place that we've been unable to go. And I just want to encourage you, Joshua, run with the vision. Keep on pushing son because there is something for this, your generation that my generation wasn't able to get to but it's the promise of God and God said you're going to lead them into a place to inherit it. I want to tell you today that we need to stand on this rock and encourage a generation that is coming behind us to run harder than they've ever run to do more than they've ever done because there is a world that is hurting there is a world that is bleeding there is a world that is dying and we need to connect generations together that we can stand upon this rock, declare the goodness of God and see people's lives change for real. Amen. Because you see, the enemy wants to bring generational gaps and divisions and wars. 
Because as long as we have no father standing on the rock, then there is no sons to support them. Then another generation is dying in the valley. And the enemy is about killing your sons and your daughters. He's about taking out another generation. But as long as Moses' hands were lifted, they were not lifted in vain. But Joshua's fighting will never bring the victory if Moses is not where he needs to be. But as a result of Moses being in a posture of victory, it brings Joshua to a place of transfer. That they went in and they defeated an enemy that otherwise they would have never defeated and take them ultimately into the land of promise. Transfer of blessing. Oh, I, I hope we get it. I hope we understand it today. Because there's a generation crying out for leadership. We've got a fatherless generation that is being raised up in the absence of a natural father. And they need a spiritual father that will show them the ways of God. That's why Malachi prophesies and tells them in these last days, there must be a return of the father's heart to the children and the children's heart to the father because there's an inheritance at stake. I said there's an inheritance at stake. And I say today, I'm looking forward to heaven someday. But I'm not planning on stepping off of the scene until there's an establishment of God's kingdom in the earth that people will know that our God is not the late night joke of Letterman. That church isn't for a bunch of sissies and old ladies but they understand there is kingdom authority and they understand that there really is a God in heaven that whenever authority is in place on the rock and we support that authority that the banner of victory is waving over us all the time and there isn't nothing we can't do I know that America looks bleak. I know that situations look difficult. But right in the middle of the mess, Jimmy, is where God shows up. When he has leadership that will stand up, get on the rock, and have that support system to hold their hands up in battle. God turns things around right in the middle of it. And I want to say to you today, don't lose heart and don't give up on America because I still believe that revival will come to this land. I believe that sons and daughters will return back to the God of the Bible. We desperately need some Moseses that are willing to go to the top of the mountain, stand on the rock, and say, I'm going to stand here and fight for another generation. I may never enjoy the fruit of the land. I may never enjoy walking through the promise and seeing it with my own eyes and the fulfillment of it, but I'm willing to fight this fight so that another generation will. Hallelujah. Thankful, thankful for Moses. I'm thankful for faithful Joshua's that you don't have to promise them a promotion to be faithful. But just because we love his kingdom, where does it come to when we have to promise everybody something to get them to do a thing?
Where is the servant's heart that says, I just want to serve with joy? I want to bless. I believe in this kingdom. I believe in the kingdom of God. I believe in the power of his word. And I just want to be a part of the victory. Amen. Hallelujah. Stand with me today. wonder if you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Brian, you know what? I've not been standing on that rock. I want to talk to you men first. You've not been standing on that rock. You've not been the spiritual leader of your house. You've allowed the pressures and the things of life, and I'm not here to condemn you. How many know we're living in a time of trouble and it's easy to get off the rock? Amen. You got to make up your mind. I'm staying right here. But you know, today you've not been that spiritual leader. You've not been that spiritual voice over your house. You say, you know what? I want to get back in a line. I want to get back in my position, my posture to lead my family so they can see the love of God. Another generation will be raised up. Maybe you're here today. You say, well, Pastor, I'm not a father, but. You know what? I'm not, not where I need to be with God. I'm not standing on that rock myself. Maybe, maybe your husband or your child, your father's, your child's father doesn't in their life or they're not a voice. And you have to be that spiritual voice. But you say, I haven't been doing that the way I need to. I just want to get back on the rock today. I want to get back in that place where I can hear from God and give direction to my family. And then the third thing I just want to say is that you may be here today and you know what? God just spoke to you and dealt with you in some areas of your life like only the Holy Spirit can do. And you just want to say today, I want to say yes to God. I want to say yes to his word. I want to say yes to the anointing over my life today. I want him to do something in my life so I can be in a posture where the, the banner of victory is flowing over our lives. As they sing this morning, if that's you, I want to invite you to come. Our prayer team will be here to pray with you. And we'll believe God to touch your life today.